Wait a minute. Wait a minute. That's an awful lot of excitement for a guy who just last week said he had only just come around to the idea of firing Bloom. Yeah, because I didn't think that he had done anything so outside of what the general structure he was supposed to exist in. Uh, I mean, that what I meant was it could be obvious to the owners who actually make the decision that actually, yes, he should be fired. Mm -hmm. Um, What a day! Monsters of Socks! High and Bloom! Gone! Dan! First... (laughs) First question, first question. Is it really just a coincidence that Theo is in Boston right now? Is he really just here for like his nephew's bar mitzvah or something? Or is there something more to this? I don't care. I don't care. I truly don't care. I don't care. The thing is they don't need – Theo would be amazing. Theo is a legend already in the game, mm -hmm. plainly. Um, and he is from the area, which is what made it so cool in, in the first place. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Somebody who is better at fielding Major League Baseball teams will be able to come in and do good uh, based on some of the work Bloom has done. But mm-hmm. Dan, what was your reaction? What, was, what did you think? I have thought that this... I don't know what it was about the last week, um, but I have thought that this was coming now for the last week. And i that's not something I had been thinking all season long. Um, and I don't know if it was just a vibe shift to, to steal a, a term from New York Magazine or what. Um, but it really, really seemed like this is the direction that they were going in. I do wonder how much of it is PR related versus how much of it they actually are disappointed in his job performance. I mean, we've been speculating for years now how much of Bloom's decision-making and process is I am Bloom driven versus how much of it is John Henry driven. And I don't think we will get an answer to that. We did see in, you know, in the brief statement that the Red Sox released today, Henry did use the phrase, this signals a new direction which some people are already interpreting to mean that that this is kind of an intentional move to yo-yo between different types of GMs. Um, not unlike what where we saw them swerve from Charrington to Dabrowski and then Dabrowski to Bloom. I'm not sure I buy that. I, I don't think that that seems... I don't, I, I don't think John Henry, when they hired Bloom thought, you know, let's bring this farm system guy in. Let's have him rebuild the organization, the farm system. And then when we're in a good shape again, we'll bring someone else. And I don't, I don't believe that. I, I, I think, you know, I, I think back to the, the, the time when Theo quit the first time and John Henry said that, you know, he was sort of stunned by it. And he had this, I believe his quote was, I have this romantic notion that Theo would be the GM of the Red Sox for 50 years or something like that. I, I do think that's what he would ultimately like. Um, he can't stop himself from meddling, but I think he wishes he could. So I don't believe that that was a plan. And I'm not 100% sure that they're going to go in a totally different direction either. 
I do think that maybe they like the plan, but just think that Bloom wasn't doing a good job executing. I think that they liked the plan, but thought he wasn't doing a good job of executing at the major league level. One thing I'd said repeatedly and written is that owners don't want to be embarrassed. Yeah. And yeah. three last place finishes in four years, which they may or may not, but it's, you know, close enough is embarrassing. Uh, Dermody, embarrassing. Kyle Baraclaw, embarrassing. That Yankees doubleheader, embarrassing. It's the embarrassments. Yeah. That And so this is something that I've always, with Bloom's defenders, had trouble squaring, is that you work for a person. And that person is a human and is shown in the past that they will act when they feel cornered. I, I don't know if that's that's what it is, but if they just feel embarrassed. Chaim Bloom built a good farm system, okay? No doubt about it. But you don't live in between the rows of carrots on the farm. You live in the fucking house. And the house was a house of cards. He didn't do enough at the major league level. And I agree with you. I don't think the plan was, let's bring in this guy who can only build a farm system and then fire him. I think they thought, let's bring this guy who can build a farm system and then he will turn it. And he will turn yeah. it toward uh, the competitive zell that they... Uh, toward the competitive zell that they wanted. And it just hadn't happened with a total lack of urgency. And we will get into it, but I don't even mind calling them out because I'm blocked by them. Uh, Red Sox stats on Twitter. One of the most thin-skinned, uh, depressing <laughs> types of fan on there who called this uh, pathetic and embarrassing. They built... The Bloom defenders by this point had built a, and I wrote this and I'm going to write for the site. They built a structure where Chaim Bloom could only be failed. He could not fail. Even as right in front of us, there was failure after failure after failure. It wasn't the whole thing. I mean, they're above 500, but that's not the baseline for the Boston Red Sox. Yeah. And He's had years since the Mookie trade to stop the Red Sox from getting embarrassed. And frankly, look, if they lose that playoff game, that's one game playoff against the Yankees or lose the game before it. Forget about that. Yeah, they, they, they barely made it in. They right. barely made it in the dance. Then it's three last place finishes and out of the playoffs. So yeah. it's, no one would the argue funny thing for keeping is on a, what, a GM who did that. What's propping him up is exactly what you hate about the playoffs. You're is right. it like <laughs> totally, totally yeah. randomness, uh, and then th they're able to ride it out. But yeah, I was Dan. I was going to suggest for what was going to be tonight's podcast that we talk about the realistic possibility that Bloom gets fired. And I didn't, mm -hmm. and I agree with you. There was something shifted. I was like, this is real. Like this, what is happening is 
is real and you could feel it. And now it's, it's over. And I'm, I am, look, Bloom may and probably will catch on somewhere else. And I want him to do well. It, I'm not, it's like Bill Belichick is the perfect example. And obviously if Bloom could have Belichick's career, he'd love it. Sometimes your first time in the big job ends up being a learning experience for your second time in the big job. I would say and almost always. He had a always. lot of experience. Yeah. yeah. And I don't, almost always. And that's, that for him, that's fine. I am more being sick of being told the sky isn't blue. Yeah. I just, and that's what the last few years have felt like. Yeah. Um, all right. So I got a lot of things about what you just said. One, I'm, I'm on air giving you an assignment to expand your carrot analogy into a whole piece. Cause that's, oh, a, no, that's, I, a, I've already, that's a damn I've fine been, metaphor. So Dan, I was at work. Now I have this, I have a schedule where I can just leave and it takes me like 25 minutes to get home and do everything. Yeah. I, I didn't listen to anything. You've already written. It's the, also, already Dan, written I don't know what it's like up there in Boston. It is like the most beautiful day. Oh, it absolutely is. It absolutely and, is. And I just had the windows down and I just writing it in my <laughs> and head. And you're just happy. Just writing it in my head. <laughs> Beautiful. It's, yeah. It's, it's, it's amazing. That's a, yeah. That's a great metaphor. I do love that. All right. So a couple of other things. I, I don't want to talk too much about the Bluminati angle. Um, and I'll tell you why, because I, I actually, I, so I was contemplating just, uh, I, I went to the game one of the Yankees doubleheader. Uh, I was one of the uh, Baker's dozen people there. Um, and I was contemplating whether Bloom was going to be fired. And I have mixed feelings about it. I think, like you, I think he's generally failed. But also, as we've discussed many times, I'm unhappy with the foundational decision that he decided to, to – the foundational direction that he decided to take the organization, right? So – I've, I'm unhappy from that with that from the start, and I blame Henry for that first and foremost more than I blame Bloom. But the thing that I, the emotion I most felt when I was contemplating a new GM was relief because I'm so sick of Heim Bloom being the main character of the Red Sox, and that's another that I've been meaning to tell you too. That's another article you should write. Well, and no, you can that's still do it. it. That is, yeah. I'll just spoil it for you. That is how the article starts. Yeah. Then we get to the farm part, and I don't know how it's going to end, but that will come after I write the first two parts. Yeah. And yeah. I'm so sick. And look, and, and look, it's it's obvious. Let's let's have some truth and reconciliation right now. There are people who are so anti-bloom that they've been rooting against the Red Sox. That's been happening. Meanwhile, you got people who are so pro-bloom. That they've been rooting for like Mookie Betts and Xander Bogarts to get hit by buses. That's been happening. Both of that shit needs to stop. And so I I did, like I said, as I was imagining this, on the one hand, I was like, isn't it going to be nice to not have this hanging over the entire fan base, the entire organization? It not it going to be nice to just be able to, like like Jake Roy wrote, um, you know, elegantly on the same day that you wrote, on the same day you wrote about, and what, which which was which was the high piece, the high bloom piece. I, I can't remember which. They're all the same piece. They're all the same. <laughs> you wrote you wrote one piece about high bloom, and Jake Roy on the same day wrote another piece that wasn't about high bloom, and he actually included a very uh, well written, elegant 
articulation as to why he's sick of talking behind Bloom and how he wants to get like he the players are why we care. That's what makes baseball fun and interesting. And he wants to get back to that. And we haven't been able to do that since January 2020. And now I, I'm hopeful it's it's not going to be tomorrow because it's there's going to be a lot of a lot of anger, a lot of bloodletting coming out on on you know on the airwaves and on the internet. But I'm hopeful that eventually we can just get to a point where, similar to Biden <laughs> Biden succeeding Trump, not everything is about the GM all the time. That's. I, when you said Biden, I was like, oh no, this is going to be bad. But no, that <laughs> is the relief I'm feeling. It's like, I just, yeah. I don't, this is not fun. It's not yeah. fun for me at all. Uh, I, it's, it's so refreshing. And I got to say, among the, the Bluminati, I think it seems to me that most of them seem to be demographically similar enough to Hyam that given that he became a character, they were projecting themselves into him. I probably did the same thing with Theo. I'm not, it's not a criticism. It just happened. Oh, I, I think that's, I think that's one of the actually most interesting things that's happened across sports fandom over the last 20 years. And, you know, you call it the cult of the GM or whatever you want to call it. But I actually do think that that's a fascinating thing that, as GMs have ceased to become just old baseball guys and are now, you know, highly educated McKinsey people who look a lot like the type of people who write, talk about sports online and on TV. I think it actually is fast. What the dynamic you're saying is true that people identify more with them than they do the players and the coaches on the field. Um, I think they do project certain things and i think you can sort of just look to look to the whole question of whether the red sox are in a rebuild or not right the red sox have insisted from day one that they are not the day that Hein bloom was hired john henry didn't say we're starting a rebuild Hein bloom didn't say we're starting a rebuild none of the fans said we're starting a rebuild and nobody would have accepted that at that time one year removed away from a team that won 108 games in the World Series. And now four years later, we have people who are now insisting that, oh, no, the Red Sox are in a rebuild. That's why it's, it's fine that they're finishing a mediocre 500 last place again because they're in a rebuild. I think like that, like that line of thinking is a sort of projecting and identification where you, you've, latched, you've latched yourself on to somebody early on. And you've made, you've made supporting that person, in this case, High and Bloom, a part of your identity as a baseball fan. And therefore, you're then not able to admit that maybe he's the wrong guy without questioning yourself because you've linked your identity to him. And it goes the other way, too. It goes in for, for people who, who made opposing him part of their identity. They're not able to admit that the Christian Vasquez trade was a damn good trade. You know, so I think it goes both ways. And I do think it's it's exactly what you're saying. It's it's people who are linking themselves to Bloom as a person as opposed to linking themselves to the team or the players. Well, the, and like they understand the plan and probably support it. And look, the, be, the 
better outcomes of the Bloom plan, I obviously support because I want the Red Sox to be good. But this is, I feel like I've been living in the Truman Show dome where just, yeah, there's failures and the failures <laughs> are like, again, it's like Bloom can only be failed in this situation. Yeah. And I I honestly think, though, like we're talking about the embarrassments and the Barraclaw game was embarrassing and Germany was embarrassing. But look, Henry tends to act pretty quickly right after, like he got booed at the hockey game. Forget whatever. I'm just saying. I think that deal is probably going to happen no matter what. How much did you pay for your ticket on Tuesday? Uh, I paid 23 bucks, but that was only because... I I have I, I've never had access to the you State Street yourself. Pavilion Club. I treated my, yeah, I've never had access to the State Street Pavilion Club. I mean, I could have gotten that ballpark for a dollar, right? right. But I, I wanted to see what the club was like. Those tickets are normally like two hundred bucks. I I got one for twenty three bucks. On, yeah, well, and Saturday that's the thing. Friday. They were showing the one dollar ticket prices online, and the the Bloom defenders for some reason were just like, uh, yeah, well, that's because it's a day game. After it's the fucking Yankees in September. Yeah. That's yeah. embarrassing. Yeah. What John Henry reacts to is being embarrassed. And he has been embarrassed repeatedly by Bloom this year, even if next year it would be better. At some point, you run, he's your boss. You can't embarrass your boss this often, man. Yeah. And I think like, you're right. And, you know, it's interesting too. I mean, like you said, it really when you think about it it really should be incredibly easy it should be easier to evaluate a gm than almost any other job you can think of because we have wins and losses <laughs> we got them right there and and a, and a, and a win a one loss record doesn't always reflect the strength of a team everybody knows that luck is a huge huge factor in baseball random chances a huge huge factor injuries are a huge huge factor but the record's there, right? Like, we don't need to... And it's to... not just one year of it. It's several years of it. Yeah. It's all there. It's all there. And before we talk about that, we're going to take a break. Now we're back. It's all there, Dan. It's all there. Everything has been out in the open. And I am happy, again, that I didn't think the Trump analogy was going to work. Bloom is not Trump, obviously, but it's just no, he's not. No, and uh, again, I wish him the best. I hope he takes a job, hopefully, in the AL East. And uh, <laughs> just kidding. Uh, and look, the Yankees are the Yankees might be hiring. What well, you look, the Yankees might be hiring. Look, even people are gonna. The people who defend them are going to say, like, when the Red Sox are good in a couple of years, you need to look back. And Bloom had all the pieces. You know who yeah. that was also kind of true of? Every every GM. Every single Everyone. one. Every, every single, single one. Yeah. You want to count the yeah. down, Dan Duquette players? On oh, the, we had more than Theo. Yeah. Right. We had more than Theo in the 2014. This is how it works. And yeah. sometimes it's unfair. I think this is abundantly fair. Yeah. And it's also, and, and here's, here's the other thing I sort of started thinking about as I was thinking about this. Um, we've debated a lot about whether there is a secret five-year plan. You, you think there has been a secret five-year plan. I don't. Here's what I think now. 
I think John Henry hired Hein Bloom in 2019 for the simple reason he wanted to keep winning, but he wanted to spend less money to do it. And he thought Hein Bloom would be able to get him there. First season, 2020, an intentional tank season. John Henry doesn't care. Nobody cares. I 2021 happened. I disagree, though. I don't think it was an intentional tank season. Well, but I think it, that I, it became it was intentional very quickly. Yes. Yeah, I'll agree with that. I'll agree. With that. It, it became an intentional tank season after the sale and injury in the in the Erod COVID. That's when it became an intentional. And tank. JD Martinez utterly forgetting how to hit. Yeah. So, but either way, I think John Henry doesn't care about 2020 at all. 2021, I think, is exactly what John Henry wanted. They won. They did it by maximizing value from short-term, low-risk veterans on low-risk contracts. Chris Hill had nothing to do with it. I think that's exactly what he thought he was getting out of Heim Bloom. 2020, Bloom tries to do it again, fails. I think Henry gave him one more chance to do it again, and he failed. I think that, like, I don't think there was a five-year plan. I don't think Henry thinks of this as a rebuild. I don't think it's just a PR thing that, that you know, that they're not saying it out loud. I think he actually doesn't want to rebuild. But he thought that Bloom could just keep doing 2021s at a reasonable rate. And two years in a row now where it hasn't happened and this year has been filled with embarrassing moments, I think he says, okay, now it's, it's time to go. The question is, now – does Henry try to find someone else who he thinks can just do 2021 again? Or does he bring in someone else who's going to say, okay, let's go get Yamamoto and let's get Blake Snell on top of that. And let's make some creative trades in the outfield. And let's talk about Mike Trout, you know, what direction are they going from here? That, that it'll be really interesting to see who they bring in. Um, you know, it's if like, if they had gone for like a David Stearns type, which they obviously can't do now. I mean, there's superficially, and again, none of us really know how these guys will operate. Superficially, there there appear to be very little difference between Stearns and Bloom. What are the chances um, the Bloom's running the Brewers? I mean, yeah, yeah, might not be a bad landing spot for him. No, not at all. And Similar I, to Charrington going to the Pirates. Yeah, I agree that it's interesting because I don't know. My instinct was they're not going to go full Dombo. Obviously, Dombo was spoken for, but I just mean the ethos. But I'm not sure. I have no idea, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, because I, th- I really think it could be a couple of – look, this could just be a PR move. It really could. We have to consider that too. They could be totally happy. I, I don't think they are because I think you're right. I think there have been embarrassing moments that, that John Henry is sincerely not happy about. But they could be overall pleased with where the organization is. But just like billionaires don't like being embarrassed, billionaires don't like being blamed for things. So it could just be that John Henry saw an opportunity where he realizes that the fan base is is growing increasingly antsy. I'm going to do something here to make it look like I'm doing something. right? And if he brings in another Stearns guy, then maybe that would sort of indicate that this was a PR move, that he just is trying to get some goodwill back, you know, and bring fans back to the organization. They are. I, 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 so I haven't checked the numbers in a couple of months. As of two months ago, the Red Sox were one of only five teams 
in all of Major League Baseball who did not increase attendance in 2023 over 2022. One of just five. The rest of Major League Baseball has returned to pre-COVID attendance numbers. Fenway Park has not. This move could just be about that for John Henry. It really could. He really could see this as a way to bring fans back to the ballpark. Or, like you said... I disagree here is that... you. Sorry, but it's like... They're going to finish in last place three out of four years. So if it's a PR move, it's a pretty fucking smart PR move. Yeah. Because at some point, yeah, these guys are good, right? But as you said, these McKinsey guys, and like, they're they're not a dime a dozen. They're quite more than a dime a dozen. But there are many of them. There are many. And you, you're finishing in last place. I'm sorry. At some point. Yeah. You're out here, like, at some point, the whole thing is a PR thing. Like, it's, and, we're out and here I having just, fun. Yeah. And it, look, it's not, it hasn't been fun for us. I'm at, it, I can't imagine it's been fun for him. No, no, I can't. And, 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 and you're right. Like, I just, I haven't seen anything from him to distinguish him from a half a dozen other CBOs operating around the league. You know, I just haven't. He, he's made a couple of nice trades. Sure, like I said, the Vasquez trade. I think that's that's a hell of a trade. Maybe it's <laughs> the timing of it is questionable if you're trying to make the postseason and you trade your starting catcher. That's questionable. But I think it just in terms of the value of the trade returned, I, I think it's great. You can't argue with the prospect rankings. You can't argue with that. You, you argue maybe, with uh, them all the time. Well, I okay, yes. No, you're right. I do. You're right. I, I mean, I kind of argue with the whole notion of them. I, well, here's – Here's the no, thing I that got I got you there. I no, you. you did. Well, look, here's what prospect rankings. What are prospect rankings? What they are. First guesses. and foremost, they're guesses. I wasn't even going to say that. That's the second layer. What I was going to say, their content. Yeah. yeah that's, that's the only that's the only purpose they serve. The the teams don't actually care what baseball America's rankings are. They they all have their own internal systems. They have their own internal proprietary systems. They have their own big board of the 100 best prospects. They don't care what the rankings say. They don't care about that at all. The rankings are there because they're content. And and they have to be somewhat educated guesses when they're put together. Otherwise, they're not good content. But then it goes to your point. They're content. And how, do they, how are they generated? By guesses. Educated, well-analyzed, well-thoroughly-scouted guesses, but they're guesses. Right. And so you you can't argue with the fact that the system sure looks better than the, you know, the day it did show up. You can't argue about how they got there, though, because in my opinion, aside from a few shrewd trades, they got there by simply high and bloom, not touching the minor league system. He went he's had this job for almost five full years now. He was hired in October 2019. He's traded three minor leaguers. That's it. He's traded three minor leaguers. I sincerely believe that if any major league organization simply sat on every minor leaguer they had, except for three, for five straight years, all of them would see their rankings shoot up. Of course they would. Of course they would. So I'm not even sure what Bloom was so good at with respect to building up the farm system. So I do think at the end of the day, I think he was, I think he was a replacement level GM. I really I, do. Who, I, who had serious deficiencies in managing Major League roster. I think it's interesting because I would not have brought up the Vasquez trade in like, I never would have thought of that. But I think it's really interesting in light of A, 
That's also bad PR right there because he's an absolutely beloved player. B, what you said about 2001, 2021, sorry, is true that that's like, that was like their wet dream. And what I said is true is that they made it by the skin of their teeth and then maximized the, the, the opportunity. When you s- trade or s- Vasquez at the inflection point of when you're ostensibly trying to repeat 2021 and throw in the towel, that seems like a departure from what you described, I think accurately, as Henry's wish when Bloom was around. And then to repeat the trade deadline this year and do nothing again, I these games are happening and like the yeah. people who are content to wait these things out, I applaud your patience, but I do not think there's any, like, I don't know how, especially people who have seen the Red Sox be the most successful organization in terms of winning world series. Uh, talk themselves in to this perpetual kicking of the can. And I think John Henry agrees with this because he thought at some point, well, obviously Bloom has to stop kicking the can, but that might be all he knows how to do at this point. So that again, like it wouldn't, it's not hard to replace him. Uh, I think the bigger question is, what will Henry's role be going forward? Uh, because he clearly abdicated a spokesman's role and let Bloom fill that vacuum. And or Kennedy, I think probably more Kennedy than Bloom. well, no, Kennedy, I think, is the strict PR guy. Like, Kennedy is uh, Bloom did some PR, but he also like, actually gave good information because he's smart and knows what he's talking about. Whereas Sam Kennedy is a fixer and cleans up messes. There's that's, that's all he is. He's probably feeling actually better today because he doesn't have to go out there and, and lie except for he, I mean, he probably is going to miss it a little bit too. Oh man. Yeah. I don't know where they go from here, but it can't get, I don't think it can get worse. Uh, well, that's the look, thing. That's the the organization's in a good have, place. Right. They still have all the stuff he got. Yeah. The organization's in a good place. Like to extend um, the metaphor with the house, like you grow all the stuff on the farm, but you still, you still need to cook it. Yeah. You need you someone to need put to it together it. to yeah. make something. And that is something that as a bloom in general detractor, I have tried to hedge and say that I understood the plan. And if it works, that's great. Yeah. But the faults this year were so glaring as to almost be taunting. Uh, the rotation was such a joke, and and from day one, we all, from day one we all looked at this rotation. The entire industry looked at this rotation and said, "We have no idea what's going to happen with these five pitchers." And look, that's true to an extent about all pitchers. Pitching pitchers' injuries just seem to get worse and worse every year, and it sucks. And I hate it. It's one of the most most depressing things about modern baseball, by far. 
But this rotation really never even had a chance. It never even had a chance. And, you know, we probably should have figured that from day one. Someone should have figured that from day one. And so you're right. Where do we go here? I, I do think. Actually, I know where we go. We go up. We, the Red Sox <laughs> will get, they will be better next year. I can guarantee you that. And I, I would I be shocked if they're not. Say, yeah. They're going to be better than they would have been under Bloom. And I don't just mean that because obviously whoever's hired is going to be a corrective somewhat. I mean, well, you don't think it's as obvious, but I think at least a little bit. Well, I I do think, look, if there's one, to the extent that they might change directions, here's what I kind of think. Um, When Bloom was hired, everyone talked about him turning the Red Sox into the Rays with money, Tampa Bay North. What John Henry may have learned over the past four years is that you can't be the Rays with money because every team has the same amount of players, right? And if, if, if the foundational principle of the Rays is we will never, ever overpay for a player and we will never, ever take an uh, unnecessary long-term risk for a player, and if you take that foundational principle to a big market team, all you're doing is saying we're not going to use our our most plentiful resource, which is money. And I I, I can't remember if I made this analogy uh, on a pod before. Maybe I'll turn this into an article. But look, if you hire somebody to decorate your house to go with your farmhouse analogy, right? And you give one person a budget of a million dollars to do it, and you give one person a budget of a hundred dollars to do it. But then you make both of those people go shop at the dollar store. There's going to be no difference in how your house looks, right? And that's that's what the raise with money ends up being because there's only 26 players. So if you're committed, if your foundational principle is we will never ever ever overpay for a player, then it doesn't matter that you have money doesn't matter that you have money. You're still going to be buying the same players that the Rays are. It doesn't matter at all. And you're getting – look, every – has anyone here studied international economics? Countries, in order to maximize economic output, are supposed to produce what they have the most of, right? If you have, if you have a low-skilled labor force and a lot of natural resources, then you become a country that extracts natural resources, that farms um, – that does manual labor. If you have a lot, if you have a highly educated populace and not a lot of natural resources, you become Germany and you extract technology and services. The Red Sox have money. That's what makes them different. And if you commit to not using your money, then you're just going to be any other team. And I think that's what the last four years, the experiment has shown us that, you know, it, you, you if you want to be the Rays with money, go for it. But you're not the Red Sox anymore. That's why this is all such a relief because it seems like an experiment is over and I was sick of the Red Sox being experimented on. Yeah. The great pause. That's a good great. (laughs) You should take that for, oh, actually, you're probably not writing anything, but uh, well, I'll I'll do something tonight. <laughs> it's got goddamn doctor's appointments. Yeah, it's it's just over, and 
I think everyone, including High and Bloom, will be better off for it. I think the team will be better. I think the fans will be healthier and finally like get to talk to each other. Yeah. Uh, rather than these camps of philosophy and then obscuring what's actually happening. Changing your opinion to match results that have already occurred. And, and but I mean, for me personally, obviously the single biggest advantage of this is I no longer have to think about Mookie bets because the guy <laughs> who made that trade is no longer here. You're right. You're right. That's, that's another, that's that, another it's angle. Over. It is over. It, yeah. It is finally like you, when he, when he came here and he kicked our ass, you were like, you know, I'm, I'm feeling great for him. And I said, there's a little Stockholm syndrome me, but I am happy for Mookie, obviously. But as long as Bloom was still in charge, his contributions had to be weighed against trading who we now know. And look, we didn't know all this at the time. Obviously you can't predict the future to be an inner circle hall of fame, like a, as as good well we look i guess we didn't know he was an inner circle hall of famer but he had already had an all-time great season for for one of the greatest teams in baseball history so like it was systematically dismantled for all of this for all of this yeah to for for the team four years later to have the exact same record as they did four years ago, pretty much. Almost. That's, not, the, that's the mind-blowing yeah. thing to me. It's like, how long do you guys, how long do the defenders think this actually should take? If he's good enough to do this, he could do it a little bit faster. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, it's also, it's just, it was so leaky. Or if you're, if you're going to say 2021, yeah. If you're going to say. Everywhere. And as I've said many times, as you were just alluding to, 2021 covered up in a very fluky way the obvious problems with the approach. They hit blackjack in their first hand. And they he really did. And they're just and as you said, they've they haven't been spending the chips. They've just been anteed out every hand. Since then, more like poker. You took the huge pot, but they never played, and they just anti. They just blinded themselves out over two years. I don't get that analogy at all, but it sounds intelligent. The people who understand, (laughs) it's like Dan in a game. You all got to. You don't all have to play, but one out of two people are paying to play each hand, so there's money in each pot. And if you never play a hand. Beyond that, you will eventually lose because you're throwing away 20 chips at a time, 20 chips at a time. And like, that's what happened. Uh, it's I, the, good, I, the good part about it for everybody, like Bluminati, please come back to us, please, please. Because the Red Sox will be better and more yeah. fun. No, yeah, we need a truth and reconciliation committee. We yeah. do. We need one. We need one. We need we need testimony. We need written reports. We need people to come out and admit that they've been rooting against the Red Sox on one side 
we need other people to come out um, and admit that the Mookie trade was an obvious failure. <laughs> uh, that's that's what we need. We just and you know and you know what would really help. We need the Yankees to be good, frankly, for because it's like we need a common enemy again to bring this back to international relations. I don't know why I'm on that, but like we need a common enemy <laughs> to unite the fan base, and we've lost that because the Yankees are in such a fucking disastrous situation too. And I got to tell you, the feeling is mutual here. As I think I've told you, Yankees fans hate the Astros so much more than the Red Sox right now. It's not close. It's yeah. not even close. They, we're feeling like I talk to the Yankees fans all the time and they're like, yeah, we're basically the same team right now. And it's like, yeah, if we're the same team, let's make it like it was when we were the best two teams. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. So at at the afternoon doubleheader game, it, maybe it was different in the night game. It probably was. Um, unsurprisingly, there were tons of Yankees fans there. there. There are tons of Yankees fans at every Red Sox game, just as there are in the Bronx. Well, I would imagine early in the college <clears throat> year with all these New York kids coming up, and then you get a dollar ticket. Probably. That's more, where you'd yeah. find the most. That's a good I point. That's a good point. But what was interesting about that is, like, the the fans weren't, like there was no ribbing each other, you know. This is like no, no one was exactly. having fun. Neither Red Sox or Yankee fans were having fun. Everyone was just there watching the game. Some, you know, Nick Pavetta would strike out another guy, and Red Sox fans would cheer, and then the Yankees would get a base runner on, and they would cheer. But like we weren't talking to each other. Nobody was particularly happy. It was just a weird. Dep- I wonder if I wonder if that's the game where Henry just decided. We this something's got to change. I think yeah. I think that with the one dollar tickets and like every and it was an embarrassing loss. I'll tell you, even five years ago, uh, the twenty eighteen and probably the year after, because you know there's sort of riding the high. For year for the entire time I've lived in the New York area, I would really think about whether I wanted to wear a Red Sox hat just because, like, do I really want to deal with people? Like, and some days I would wear it, and some days I wouldn't because, like, I don't want to deal. The other day, someone's like, oh, yeah, I can't serve a Boston fan. I was like, am I wearing? Oh, uh, <laughs> I was like, we're, aren't we the same? And they're like, yeah, it's like it just nobody cares. Nobody cares. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's like, a rivalry is... going through the motions. Right. And like, guys, <laughs> Bloom defenders, li- listen, hear my plea. We're not enemies. The Yankees are the enemies that we need to get back to Red Sox baseball that's not so obviously an experiment because as you made the point with the raise with money, there's no need to do the experiment. You have the money. Just spend the money. You know what I'm hearing from you right now, Brian? You're you're talking about Red Sox fans and you're talking about Bloom Defenders. I am hearing... Lincoln's second inaugural in my head as you do so. Well, that's not <laughs> well, well I I mean that's that's great. I hope I live more than six days after this <laughs> podcast. But you know, that's that's cool. That's what I'm hearing. You're trying to bring, you're trying to unite the nation, you're trying to mend old wounds. Red Sox stats Red, Red Sox stats gonna gonna clip me when I'm like <laughs> Six watching Oppenheimer or something. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, 
Oh, I feel I feel some relief here. I do. I do. Yeah. It's just, it was time. To, it was just time for. It was just time to move on. It just uh, was. All right. You got anything else? No. I wonder what this means for Cora. Because we well, both I don't, thought that you, he was kind of out the door. Do you want to talk he about actually, the Buster only? You want to talk about the Buster only thing? Did you see that? Was that the one where he said that I like? Oh, I love Brad here. Stevens. Like he's, he suggested he might pull a Brad Stevens. Oh, I would. Uh, I would find that hard to believe. Me too. Um, I Alex Cora has just never struck me as that type of guy. But maybe he is. You know, we we know so little about how the decision making goes. You know, in the ballpark, uh, he was the GM of the Puerto Rican World Baseball Classic team once, so so he has some GM experience. Uh, I'll say, I'll say this: when Brad stepped down and when he moved up, he just seemed tired. And, and I think Alex seems tired. Tired. Hey, he seems tired. He looks, doesn't he? He looks like five years older this year, doesn't he? They finished in last place two years in a row. Like, I yeah. get it. Like, it's, I don't blame him. And I certainly never, I, when the Brad Stevens thing happened, I was shocked and floored by that. I didn't see that coming either. I do think so. that being, I think the knowledge you would get as a baseball coach would probably lend itself, or basketball coach would lend itself to being a GM more so than being a manager. That doesn't mean Cora couldn't do it. Well, well, also, but they're also their backgrounds are totally like Brad Stevens was that McKinsey guy who came up through this. Like Brad Stevens was Bloom; he just went the coaching route instead. That like that's the difference between basketball and baseball. In basketball, you can have a head coach who never was a player. There's there's filled with them in the NBA. Certainly can do it in the NFL. You can't do that in baseball. It's totally different. Yeah. Um, so Stevens, so yeah, Stevens being a GM makes a lot more sense. Stevens is, is biography, him turning into a GM makes a lot more sense than Cora does in this day and age. Because I mean, you don't Steve, see anyone like Cora become GM. Theo and Stevens have similar um, paths going on. Uh, so. Yeah. But anyhow, that, that I don't necessarily believe that unless they really like, I, I, would not be surprised whatsoever if Cora is not the manager next year. I would be a little surprised if he wasn't somehow in the organization. Now that would yeah. be an obvious empty spot, but I don't know if that means that he, yeah. would, you know, just well, could... where I thought, yeah, where I thought you were going when you mentioned the only things so he made a, a media appearance yesterday and he, it seemed like he was very intentionally trying to quash any idea that he wanted out. And he said, he loves it here. His daughter goes to BC. And she just started. Um, and so, like, he's like, I love it here. I, he, he, and, he, and, you know, he was kind of honest, too. He also said, he's like, I don't think I'm like Tito. I'm not going to be a manager lifer. But right okay. now I'm committed to the Red Sox. Okay. It's like 47 minutes in. That was yesterday. This was happened yesterday. today. After So we the, – all like – I was doubting Olney's report, but now I'm just like, oh, is this just happening right in front of my face? Because then Cora was... hires the next manager or just says it's Jason Veritek. Or just says it's Veritek. Jason Veritek. But that if Cora ends up, man, this would be really fast. We're gonna we're gonna hear because it'll stuff. be the opposite of the Bloom thing, where it's oh god. But at least if Cora's the main character, everybody likes him. Yeah. It's not that yeah. I didn't like Bloom, but I... That won't last, but... <laughs> um, 
Alex Cora has done more for the Red Sox than for sure. A lot of uh, the many, many, many people. Yeah, but here's the thing, though: if if it ends up being Cora and with Veritek taking over in the dugout, there will be it. It will look to a lot of people like the Red Sox are moving away from modern baseball and analytics. They're going to you know they're bringing in two trusted old you know old. Tobacco spitting ball players to show they these nerds what's up. Anyone who says that obviously doesn't know shit about Alex Cora. Like, oh, I totally agree with you. But that perception will be out there amongst certain people, and so there and there will be people. There will be committed Bloom defenders who will who will you know make those accusations and say. I don't think the Bloom. I think the Bloom defenders are going to quickly. Uh, oh no! I'm just in Argentina because I like the climate. <laughs> I think that's I think that's the way this is headed. Anyhow, I know you have to go. I do uh, have to go. And this might stop. be the last time we talk for a while, which I'll explain yeah. on a different podcast. Uh, but Dan, it is a beautiful day. And I hope everyone is goes nice in. And everybody go to overthemonster.com. There's going to be so much content about this. You you won't you, you won't be able to read it all, but please try. Um, and that's it. All right. Take care. On to the next one.